It's good to see everybody here this morning. Amen. God is good. The Holy Spirit is alive. Uh, he is filling this place up to capacity, and I love it. Man, I love to see what's going on. Guys, I do want to give you a little bit of uh, housekeeping, if you will, and, and make some announcements, and then we'll get into the message. Uh, one of the things that's been a, been a, a somewhat difficult week, but Audra Shuey is no longer our Kid City director. Um, she's going to be um, pursuing other, other interests and other ministries, that kind of thing. So what we want to do is uh, uh, love on her. If you guys have any uh, questions, anybody that has any uh, relationships with Audra, if you want to give her a shout and tell her you love her and say, hey, you know, if there's anything you need, that kind of thing. She is our sister. We love her. And as God pursues and sends people in different directions, that is not a decline in the ministries. That is a, a, an, an expansion of the ministries, isn't it? Like the potential for things like that, for somebody like Audra to impact the kingdom the way she's going to impact it is uh, something we want to pray for. She's our sister. We love her. And I can't wait to see what God, God does with all that. What's up, Kristen? How you doing? Good to see you, sister, man. Man, there's a lot of people I ain't seen in a while. I'm so excited. But um, good to see everybody here this morning, guys. And, and just like the early church that Paul had, um, he started ch the church in Corinth. He started different churches. And as he would leave, he even said there were times when he said he had tears because he missed the people so much, right? And so as we do those things and continue the what Paul started in, and what the early church started to build churches, to plant churches, to grow the to, to like like grow the kingdom, share the gospel with people, and let the kingdom come as it may. And God uses whoever it is that He chooses to use. Amen, amen. That's why our new initiative that we have is a two-year initiative. It is something that we are calling. It has a question mark at the end. It is not an exclamation mark. And it doesn't say it will be us. It is a question that I believe God is asking us both individually and collectively as a body of believers. Will it be us? And the reason for this emphasis are some things that are happening in our city, in our town, that we must be prepared for in absolutely every area of our lives if God is going to be able to use us. Number one, we've got to be thinking and acting, and in our hearts, be missional the way God has intended. Amen? Amen? reason for this highlight is if I introduced this last week and showed you guys this last week is something called uh, Big Bull Creek Park. If you haven't seen this, uh, look at the site. And this was introduced a couple of months ago and did a groundbreaking for that. And if you look at the Big Bull Creek Park compared to the city of Edgerton, what do you see? The, the park itself is bigger than the city. Like there's something about to happen in the town. See, already the city of Edgerton, as it stands right now, has twice the amount of park space that it needs. So why would city planners think it would be a good idea to put a park in Edgerton bigger than the city of Edgerton? What would be the purpose unless there are people about to move here? And so the question of will it be us is will it be us that goes on mission not only for the people that live here, but also for the people that are about to move here. Uh, Pete and I got a uh, tour by uh, Mayor Don last week of the uh, Logistics Park, Kansas City. I want to show you guys what Logistics Park area looked like in 2012. Nothing, right? They just started laying down some of the asphalt there. Uh, look at just a few years later. This was a, a late last year. Right now, there's got, the, got obviously the intermodal, then all those buildings just have had 1.2 million square feet 
uh, in, like approved by the city to build. And when we went out to see the construction, I got a call uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, Don was out doing an inspection. He worked for an engineering firm, that kind of thing. And he said, uh, you have to see this. Like, I talk about it, we, we look at all the paperwork, we approve and negotiate deals and things like that with Amazon and all these kind of people in the, and all the different construction people. He said, but you have to actually see this to believe it. And at one point, I was, when we were driving through the, the construction, at one point, as far as I could look this way and that way, was construction along the horizon, bulldozers, scrape, I mean, man, you know, construction workers, all this, all this kind of stuff. And what we don't realize is that the, the intermodal is the largest industrial, commercial, real estate project in the nation. And it is getting international attention based on the success it has already had. It is incredible. It is amazing. And it is only something God could have done in a town of 1,600 people. Amen? With that comes growth. With that is something we as a church must prepare for as a church body, individually and collectively, as members of God's church, his bride. Amen? Does that make sense? Are you guys okay with that? I mean, you understand. I know this is a lot to take in, and we've been kind of planning some of this, rolling some of this out for two and a half, three months or so, and getting prepared for some of this, but we've got to be thinking, what does it look like for us as a church? What do we, how do we need to be praying? How do we call Jesus Lord? How do we have a white-hot faith? And what does that mean for us as a, as a church? How do we turn from being a church that we attend to a mission that we are on? Um, I highly recommend reading uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, first, or 2 Corinthians, actually. It's a wonderful thing because there's parallels in, in the church in, in 1 Corinthians. Because New City Church, and you can fill this out in your bulletin, is on mission. Is on mission. And those of us who call New City, New City Church home are missionaries. So we are no longer going to be saying, hey, this is the church I go to, but this is the mission that I'm a part of, and I am one of its missionaries. Amen? And that's how we've got, like, this is the only way that God is going to be, well, God can do anything, and that's what the question. He, can, he will reach his people, but will it be us that he trusts? When he says, whom shall I send, will it be us that said, here are we, here am I, send me. I re highly recommend, like I said, reading 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is an awesome book, awesome letter to the church at Corinth. If you don't know, 1 and 2 Corinthians are letters to a church. Well, 1 Corinthians is a really jacked up church. Actually, this might confuse people. 1 Corinthians is actually the second letter that Paul wrote to the uh, church at Corinth. Uh, he wrote an, an initial letter that he referenced in 1 Corinthians that probably, I think, God may have divinely hidden from us because I imagine it might have even had some cuss words in it. Like, like he was fired up about the church, about what they were doing. Like he was freaked out, mad about what, the, what was going on. And he was letting them know. Because there was all kinds of messed up, jacked up things that the church at Corinth was doing. Um, by the second letter, we, we know as, as 1 Corinthians, they had improved two things. Like letting people sleep with their own mom. Everybody's like, ooh, that's gross, right? But that's what they were doing. They're like, well, as long as they're sincere, as long as they're not hurting anybody, as long as like they had allowed division, sin, and nobody addressed it. And Paul let them know. And like Paul was sarcastic. Paul was heavy-handed at times. Paul was like letting them know. Look, if you are, you gotta understand 
how this works. And by 2 Corinthians, they had improved a great deal to where he was able to start trusting them with some further instruction about what it means to truly be on mission, truly like, like, like be, be funding and be like on fire for who God is and how we spread the good news. It is amazing to, to look at. I highly recommend First and 2 Corinthians with that understanding, but especially 2 Corinthians 8, 9, 10, and 11, that I've been studying a great deal about when Paul started really getting to the heart and the meat of where he was challenging the church that had improved and he acknowledged it, but also needed to take it steps. By the way, should we as a church or should we as Christians, both individually and collectively as a body, should we ever stop growing in maturity? Absolutely not, right? So just when we think we got it all together, we figure out, man, I ain't got Jack together, right? That's what happens. And this is where Paul is like, I appreciate everything that you did. You've stepped away from the letting people divide you in the church. You've stepped away from sins, those kinds of things. But you still are missing some stuff. 2 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 3. It says, For though we live in the body, we do not wage war in an unspiritual way. Since the weapons of our warfare, and this is a war, is it not? We are truly on a rescue mission for the souls of those who need to know Jesus. The weapons of our warfare are not worldly, but are powerful through God for the demolition. I love the word demolition, amen. That's my, like sledgehammer is my favorite uh, tool of all time. I love to break stuff down. By the way, if you ever want me to do any construction for you or anything, please put me on the demo crew. Because I have no skill, number one. But put me on the demo crew, and I, love, I, I just dig it, man. Love sheetrock dust going all over the place and everything like that. Ain't nothing like it. Um, the weapons of our warfare are not worldly, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every high-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to obey Christ. And that's one of the reasons why, because Paul's talking to the church, we, like, we have to be defend the unity of the church and the and the unity of the body like like with like with everything we got and so here's what he's here's the the thing about this whole thing like we've got to be thinking our minds have got to be renewed as it talks about in other words in other parts of the scripture says when our hearts and minds are renewed to align with god's see because naturally man's ways are not god's ways god's ways are not man's ways man's ways are not man's thoughts are not god's thoughts God's thoughts are not man's thoughts, right? So when we align ourselves with God's, it changes what our hands do and where our feet go. Amen? Like that's, that like, like we will, our lives will look different, not because we try to make them look different, but because we have become different in God's eyes and we have aligned ourselves with God. Amen? That's how this works, right? And that's what it means. Like it's a natural outpouring of our heart and devotion to go reach the people for Jesus. Not that we got, oh man, I got to get on a mission trip, or I got to, man, I got to start doing some stuff to go talk to people, and I got to take some courses on what it means to, to share Jesus without fear, because I don't know about this, and I got to get some techniques. And it's like, look, here's the deal let God enter your heart, let God consume your mind, and let Him go, tell you where you need to go through His Holy Spirit. And do not worry about what to say, for the Lord will tell you what to say. Amen? This is powerful stuff here, guys. This is, this is earth-shattering, mind-numbing, like uh, shaking our whole foundation of what it means to be a church in a lot of ways. See, there are 3,700 people working in Edgerton, 1,600 people living in Edgerton right 
now and our approach to church must start changing the way we look at church and what it is versus what we have thought it to be. We're no longer, guys, going to be a church that says this is the church that I attend and this is the church I'm a member of, but I'm a missionary under the new city name that is a mission and this is our mission house which we gather together on Sunday morning, get encouragement for one another, learn the word, get, get marching orders, if you will, and we go and we take this freaking kingdom for the Lord. Amen? That's how this works. 2 Corinthians 11, after Paul has been talking about in 8 and 9 and 10 and 11, our, our approach to, to church, and here's where he starts like, like laying it down. And he starts talking about money here, and he starts talking about giving here, and he starts talking about funding the mission here which we'll talk about here in a little bit. And I want to highlight some stuff to you, guys, about where we are financially and prepare ourselves, prepare our minds, and see, where, you know, see what is it that God is going to tell us and where are we going to go. But he says some things, and I love Paul. He's a little sarcastic sometimes. He's actually a little funny sometimes. He's got, you know, a lot of people think there's no, no humor in the Bible at all. There's a lot of humor. Jesus was sarcastic with some guys. He's sarcastic here in a lot of ways. And he says, I wish you would put up with me, uh, put up with a little foolishness from me. Yes, do put up with me, for I am jealous, and this is not a bad jealousy, but it's a kind of jealousy that when someone is trying to cheat on their husband or their wife, the, uh, the offended partner has uh, some serious jealousy. It's a pain here, right? And he is saying, I am jealous of you, over you with a godly jealousy, because I have promised you in marriage to one husband, to present a pure virgin to Christ. We are the bride of Christ, amen? Is that right? Like, like Jesus is not going to be coming back for, uh, for New City Church. He is coming back for his bride. We are a local manifestation of the global body of believers that we call the bride of, of, of Christ. Amen? So this is what he said. I wanted to do that, but they, they're still not there. They've had some improvements, there, but they're still like not thinking right. Like they're not, they're not, not purifying uh, or letting God purify them. And he says, but I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning... Your minds may be seduced from a complete and pure devotion to Christ. For if a person comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we did not preach, or you receive a different spirit which you had not received, or a different gospel which you had not accepted, you, listen, he says, you put up with that splendidly. That's a sarcastic tone. He said, in other words, if you let false teachers in, you, you, you let them do it, right? And here's the issue that I have with what Paul's saying. And here's the, the warning, I think, that the Lord is asking me to give us. This growth could be fantastic if God's in it. This growth could bring crime, prostitution, drugs, all kinds of stuff if, we let it, like if, 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 it's, if God's not in it. Amen? And so we have a part in that. And that's the question of, will it be us? Is it us that is going to go and take the king, go and take people, like, like storm the gates of hell, literally. Like, like this is what it, this wages this war the way God has intended. Amen? Amen, New City Church. Amen, New City Church. Now, I consider myself in no way inferior to the super apostles. These are people that he's kind of mocking a little bit that are really eloquent with speech. Everybody's like, oh, I'd like to follow those people and stuff like that. And he's saying, I'm, not, I'm in no way inferior to those super apostles. He said, though, though untrained in public speaking, I got a lot of, lot of uh, in common with Paul. I'm not trained either. I am certainly not untrained in knowledge. Indeed, I don't know about that. 
Uh, Indeed, I have always made that clear to you in everything. Or did I commit a sin by humbling myself so that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel of God to you free of charge? See, in the early church, there was all kinds of fundraising, all kinds of ongoing donations, not only to Jesus's ministry. I mean, you can see if you if you read some of the stuff that Jesus did and had his people do, he actually sent them out for food. Right. All those kinds of things are important for us to understand this, that we, we tend to look at money as something that, oh, here we go again. But this is biblical. This is spiritual. This is not something that we need to go, oh, it's just money, it doesn't really matter. No, man, Jesus taught his guys to fundraise. Jesus taught his guys to, to go in and, and get food and stuff like that. He didn't just say, hey, you got a crumb in your pocket. Man, I'll feed everybody now. He did that on occasion. But ultimately, he taught them how to go and raise funds and pay for food, lodging, clothes, sandals, bag. I mean, all those, you, you see what I'm saying on this? This is how this works. We, just because it's money doesn't mean that it's a negative thing. Money is a morally neutral thing. And Paul addressed it very strongly here. I robbed, I robbed other churches by taking pay from them to minister to you. When I was present with you and in need, I did not burden anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my needs. I have kept myself and will keep myself from burdening you in any way. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be stopped in the regions of Achaia. Why? Because I don't love you? God knows I do. And everybody said, Amen. The teachings that Paul is addressing to the church in Corinth parallel where we are in many ways as as a church. This is not a a, a money grab kind of a talk, but I want to be real with you guys and say that if it will be us, we are going to have to do some major fund raising. There are dreams that we have that I have, that God has laid on us, that if, like, I know he can do everything more than with a penny than I could with a million dollars. There's no doubt about that. I have even had people say, dude, where's your faith? Somebody could come and plot down a million bucks. We can do whatever we got to do with the building. We can put a food truck over at the intermodal. We can uh, do block parties at the Yang. We can buy a house and give it to somebody free that needs it. All that kind of stuff could be done if somebody plops in. And I said, I, I, I appreciate that and I love that, but here's the deal. About a month ago, and this is where my heart is heavy, guys. About a month ago, I'm looking at the, like we're starting to, maybe a month and a half ago, we're starting to roll out this whole idea of what it means to, for us to be on mission. And I'm looking at the finances, and by the way, we're paying our bills, thank you Jesus, right? However, we have no debt. Very low salaries, trust me, right? Those are not things that, like if we, if we have that, uh, that advantage Man, we should have a war chest ready to go, but we don't. We're able to pay our bills at this point, and that's it. Could we go plant another church and support the other church? No. Could we go and, and, and put a food truck somewhere? No. Could we build here, here we need to? No, not yet. Not financially yet, but, but God is faithful. And I want to give you some numbers. I want to share with you some things that, that if we understand this where we are, guys, 
It'll help us go where we need to go, where God is calling us to go. I want you to write a few numbers down. 26. 33. 27. 37. I'm going to hold the last one. Everybody got those written down? Do I need to repeat them? 26. 33. 27, 37, and 16. About a month and a half ago, everybody got them written down, they're ready? About a month and a half ago, I was going through my regular quiet time, and I'm reading through scriptures, and I want to promise you I'm not trying to tug your hearts to give more money. I'm trying to share with you some things that God has laying on on me. And I, I was seriously, this is not a, it's not a manipulation or anything like that. But I'm reading, and I believe the Bible to be the full, inspired, inerrant word of God. Amen. And I hope you do too, because this is that my direction and my thinking about all that stuff has to be with that in mind. But I read Hebrews 13, and, and, and you know, where it talks about, hey, yeah, submit to your leaders and, and those kinds of things. But it says, submit to your leaders uh, as those who must give an account for you. Meaning that I feel the weight not of your salvation, but of your obedience. Because I have to give an account for you to God. And as I'm reading my regular quiet time, I looked at Malachi 3. And he's talking about tithing. He's talking about that kind of stuff. And he said, God says, you are robbing me. And you ask, whoa, how are we robbing you? He said, you're robbing me of your tithes and offerings. And man, God has since like comforted me in this. But I broke down. Because I said, there are a lot of families in our church that I must give an account to that have no idea about this. And where he comforted me was he said, tell them. Tell them where you are. Tell them what, tell them what help them understand. This is, your, this is your people that you must give an account to. Guide them through this. It's okay. Because I'll be honest with you, I hate talking about money. Because I know the walls come up. I know about all the, oh, well, the Catholic Church spent this to try to hide this. Oh, I know about Creflo Dollar trying to get it. I get all that. Guys, Jesus hates that crap too. And this is why I hate the walls to come up. But i got to be able to tell you where we are so that we can prepare ourselves for where God is taking us. Is that fair? $26 represents 2% of giving among all Christians in the nation. By the way, I read the scriptures. I think 10%, 10% is the minimum. That Jesus said the 10% to the Pharisees, you should do that, but don't forget about the more important things, right? So he does call that, but he also calls out the widow's might who gave everything. So somewhere between 10 and 100% is what it says. This is what it says. And so 2% is in the American church overall means that we're 80% short of the minimum. That breaks my heart, right? But that's the average. $26 is the average giving for every man, woman, and child each week across the nation. That is the average, and it represents 2%. And I've got some buddies in town and, and buddies in, in actually in Edgerton and some, some pastors in uh, Gardner that, that have helped me through some of this. And I said, you know, what is it that you're, what, what does your giving look like per person? So I can give some, so I can, so I can help people understand where we are. And so $33 is one of the new churches in town. That's what they give every week for every man, woman, and child. 
$27 is another more established church in, in Edgerton that's giving every man, woman, child. Uh, my buddy in Gardner, and again, they've asked me not to say, you know, say publicly what they give, and I said, of course not, you know. But in Gardner, got a buddy of mine that his, his church gives, and they're about our size, $37 for every man, woman, and child. And this is where, when I saw this, I, this is what happened. You know, God uses numbers to wake me up sometimes. For us, here at New City Church, it's $16. Now, some of those guys don't have 77 people in their church. We've just baptized our 77th person. We've got a lot of new believers and a lot of new folks. Let me give you a couple of other figures here. 10% of our church pays over 50% of all the giving. This is the only way we make money, or when I say make money, this is the only way we fund anything. Like, this is the only source of income is giving and donations. I don't, you know, I don't know if you, some people think, oh, churches are selling products and things like that. No, not at all. Nothing like that. 10% or, the top, or 10 families. We have 130 families in our, in our uh, network here, in our church. 130 families, 10 of those families give over 50% of their giving. 25 of those families give over 85 to 90% of the giving. So meaning that we have 110 families that give the remaining 10 to 15%. Now, some people want me to look at that and go, oh, that's, that's messed up or that's jacked up or that's not right or whatever it is. I look at it and I go, God, thank you. Like we want to start praying for the 110 families that collectively could make a humongous impact on this mission. Does that make sense? Like, this is, this is an um, amazing opportunity. I was excited when I saw that. At first, I was like, God, God, let, like, like I'm, I'm going to do my best here, because it kind of freaked me out a little bit. But then I started realizing God's comforting me, going, wait a second, you know, tell them. Let them know what's going on. Let them know what's happening. Guys, if we had, and this is one of the things that I am starting to do as a missionary, is I'm starting to fundraise like, not even here, but I'm going to start talking to friends and family and neighbors, see if they want to fund this mission. I'm going to talk like a missionary. I'll never forget Adara Handley went to Costa Rica. When she went to Costa Rica, she said, hey, would you guys like to fund this mission trip? I'm going to do the same thing. And I invite you guys to do the same. It's very cool because if we could have 300 people giving an additional $40 a week, wow, you do the math. See, somebody could give us a million dollars, or we could do that for 10 years and have over $10 million. And it's not about the millions of dollars. You know, it's about an impact of people who step up into obedience and say, we're going to do this because we're going to answer the question. My heart says we're going to answer the question, yes, it will be us. Amen? I know for some of the visitors, like, oh, man, there they go talking about money. I want us to be aware I want us to know that we are paying our bills. We are not in trouble. But I sense that God is about to lay a humongous mission field in our lap. And we've got to be willing to plant churches. We've got to be willing to start house churches. We've got to be willing to do whatever it is to house the people that are coming. Guys, it's massive. It's awesome. It's wonderful. And I pray that we step into that obedience. Amen? Father, we love you. We thank you so much what you have done so far you have blown this church up 
your hand has been on us for a long time, God. Prior, like years prior to us ever coming. Father, it's amazing to me to see a church that, that died to seven people become alive in you to have 280, 300 people each and every week. That is ridiculous, especially in a town this size, unless you are in it. But it's also ridiculous, ridiculous to have the, the amount of construction and the amount of like, like the parks that are coming up and the amount of homes that are going to be coming. Lord, it's, it's crazy. And may we be the people that you trust with it, Father. May we be the people that say, it will be us. When you say, whom shall I send? It's in your son's awesome and incredible providing name. With great enthusiasm, everybody in the house said, amen.